Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. We're chatting about it today on this Sunday afternoon, evening, morning, depending on which time zone you're in. I know for some people it's nighttime, where in Jamie's case it's 8 o'clock. For us, it's 3 o'clock, and for the West Coasters, it's already noon, so it's already the afternoon time. But for those of you in Hawaii, it's probably morning if you're listening to us live, and if you're not, then I don't know what it is. But this is PJs and Wine, a movie, TV, theater, and digital podcast where we offer you the finest of the fine arts, and what a piece of fine art that we have for today. Like I said, Attack of the Clones. So we have from the UK, we have Jamie. Hello. From the West Coast in Bronyville, we have Paul and Tyler. I don't get it. <laughs> and in and then in Oklahoma City, we have uh, Mike. Yellow, yellow. And I am your host from Man from South Florida. My name is Joe. I run the whole operation here, and we will get started right now. So compared to last week's episode where we talked about the phantom menace this one has also gotten a lot of um i should say heat so to speak because well deservingly so in my opinion we'll get to that because the age-old question is is it worth watching which is always the a question that we always ask when we start these episodes and i know I for a lot of your own question there joe well, I need to get I, I answered it for myself, but I don't know what the four of you think. That's the that's the that's the difference here. Because I will say I like two better than I liked one. Uh, I no. did, man. We're gonna cancel the show then. Cancel. Why? I'm the producer of this, we can't have that. I quit. Okay, fine. Angry Star Wars fan on keyboard saying you're not a real Star Wars fan. <sighs> yeah, we don't. Have, yeah, we don't have to do the whole uh, hologram controversy again. But we, uh, I, I kind of, I kind of felt weird watching the second one after I saw the first one. Um, this, is, I mean, it was better, but I just felt like it was like, oh, this is like a very boring Star Wars movie. And I already seen four, five, and six after I saw one, so I'm just like, eh. You didn't. My comparison, my comparison between one and two. One is a hilariously bad movie. Two is just boring. Like, I, I, whenever I think back to the prequels, I try to think of like iconic moments from each. Episode one has some like the pod race and the all of the funny bad stuff in that. Episode three has. And Darth Maul. Episode three has like the battle between Anakin and Obi Wan and Mustafar. Um, but episode two, all I can think of is just Ewan McGregor finally has a beard and it's kind of orange. Well, that's it, is, really. He, well, he is from the UK, <laughs> which they're yeah. famously known for. Because <laughs> there's no beards anywhere else. Just the UK. Well, I red beards. Red. He's Irish. Yes. What about yellow beards? He's a ginger. I General Hux would look good with a beard. I don't know about that. I, think I don't know. Ashen, I think Ashens gave the best quote for Attack of the Clones. It is the biggest pile of horseshit in a visual medium because, man, is this film ugly. <laughs> it doesn't look good. 
the yeah. worst-looking Star Wars film. Ooh, Everybody. Yeah. You see, Episode Eight is a good movie because at least it's not Episode Two. <laughs> People will defend, or, or I mean, not defend, but rebut that forever. Because Episode Eight, but you can't because I mean, Episode Eight, you may not like Episode Eight all that much, but you know what? It's still the best looking one versus this movie, which is the worst looking one. It's always I, the same. I don't know. The planet they were on, uh, Anakin and Padme, that looked pretty for a little bit. For a little bit. Yeah, for the most of the time, I feel like I'm watching like the ending a, a final sick. shot of them getting married. That was nice. Congrat. The final. Yeah. My, my favorite part was the ending, too. When it ended. Because <laughs> yeah. it ended. Yeah. Now, uh, we got to talk about the romance between Anakin and Padme. Because this is where it, like, officially happens. Oh, here it like, is. Falls out with sand and falls in love with Padme. Did, uh, did I hear something about sand? I heard the magic he word. He says he hates sand and he falls in love with Padme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you, now, was this like a believable romance at all, or did it just feel like it was just there just to be there? I feel believable. like on, it's believable when they don't talk. I feel like on Portman's side, it's believable because she's a good actress, but like Hayden Christian is just painful to watch those romance scenes. Well, he has been proven to be a good actor. I mean, he did mm-hmm. get a Golden Globe nomination before he was even ever a part of Star Wars. And I think that's the main reason. Well, actually, I will explain in the trivia when we get to the trivia section of this episode. I will explain why they went with him. But, you know, before then, he in America, he was considered to be a young up-and-coming actor. Like, they all liked his performance. And I can't remember which movie it was, but it was around the time that Episode One was uh, just finishing uh, being in theaters. So he was still on the up and up. And this destroyed his career. It kind of it kind of reminds me of uh mm-hmm. of uh Robert Pattinson to a degree because I uh cuz I had I was growing well, up Pattinson's a good actor though. That's the thing. That's that's the thing. He's, he's, he's a good actor in some shitty movie. This is like a a good actor who did some shitty movies but he never got any work after that. Exactly. He's more, I, he's more popular but they weren't You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, he because uh, he's good in uh, Harry Potter four. I, I liked him in yeah, that. Yeah, he's good in he, Good Time. He's a great Cedric Diggory, and he then Good Time. That's one of his best performance. I was gonna get to that. I was gonna say, and then and then Twilight happened, and then he was kind of gone for a few years because Twilight happened. Um, you could totally and, tell he didn't want anything to do with that movie. No, well, he, like he after after like the, the first one. <laughs> he makes fun of them in the commentaries. <laughs> I I'd hang out with him. He sounds like a cool guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's one of the Death Note fans. But I mean, yeah. But um, I mean, Hayden. I mean, what was it after he did Star Wars? He did Jumper with Samuel Jackson, and that was like the last major movie that we ever saw him in. After that, what's that? He was in a movie with just Samuel Jackson. Well, what was, was the movie he was in? What was the movie where he was in like a coma and like he was paralyzed and like the doctors wanted to kill him because they thought he was dead? That was like like light support. What was that? Let me look that up. In the meantime, um, it's called Awake. Awake. Yeah. Well, I don't know. He's still actually doing things. To be quite honest with you, 
Um, none, none of the stuff that we would actually know about, but... He's also uh, Christian. Yes, it was What? Yo, he did a film with Nicolas Cage in 2014. Yeah, that Outcast. Outcast, is it? Outcast. Yeah, by the Samurais. The Ronin Samurais. Uh, Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Watch that. Yeah, he's doing a lot of indie movies now. In fact, he's doing one coming up called uh, Little Italy. Ooh. So, uh, that's probably something. Is that the Giardini bio? Um, no, because it has to do with, like, a war between pizza restaurants. Ooh, the Giardini bio. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the Dini, mo- that's where the, uh, the Dini Mafia started. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. The Dini Leanies. Yeah, the You're D- either with the Dini Leanies or without. <laughs> but other than, I mean, but other than besides the fact that he's, uh, been doing a lot of stuff afterwards i mean the fact that he's been still acting and the fact that he's been generally known as a good actor i mean george lucas has not been known to be somebody that knows how to get something out of his actors he's like he's known for saying two things faster or more emotion those are like his only directions he ever gives actors in fact if you take a look at the behind the scenes for episode three i cut out there what you're saying i'm sorry I was like, for episode three, if you look at some of the behind the scenes, Hayden Christensen and George Lucas are just like going over things. And George's like, okay, just do this, do this. And Hayden's like, okay. Like, he just has this look on his face, like, okay, I don't know what you're trying to tell me, but I'll do it. So I'm assuming this is the type of stuff. Because even then, like, Natalie Portman, like, she doesn't get a lot of her best acting out of this, and she's a tremendous actress. And I think that just goes to show that. You can have talented people. It's just you have to have a director that just knows how to get something out of your characters. And for George, that was never the case with any of these prequels. George. Ewan McGregor went the the further step by saying, okay, I'm just going to model myself after Alec Guinness, who was the original Obi-Wan. And then he seems like to be like the best actor in this whole prequel trilogy thing. Yeah, he does a good Guinness impression, I think. That makes what? sense, though. He does a good Guinness impression for Obi-Wan. Well, yeah, because he like, studied him and studied him and studied him. Mm-hmm. He yeah, that's, to- what, that's what happens when your character is the only one that actually matters past the prequels. <laughs> They're like, hey, you should probably like do really good in this role because, like, look, this guy, he becomes James Earl Jones. We don't really need him after this. She dies. You're still here. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson dies. Yeah. Yoda just does Yoda. Yoda becomes a puppet. It's Jar Jar Jar. Yeah, it's not Jar He becomes a only get this one's in this movie. Somewhere along the line, he turns into General Snoke, but we don't. Yeah. <laughs> I need to watch that that theory video. I never took it seriously, but I guess now I might as well just for giggles. I mean, hey, giggle, giggle time. Darth Jar Jar is kind of the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life, and I love it. Yeah. So, what would you say was the worst thing about this movie? Everything. <laughs> the pay effects. If, if you have to pick one thing. There was I can't okay. use the bad acting because I guess funny, but the effects I can understand. There was a lot. Well, okay. Well, like I've only ever seen like episode two, like maybe like I watched it maybe like last year or something like that because um another channel that I watched was doing a commentary over it and 
I uh, watched al- um, along with their file and all that. And um, I don't remember a whole lot about it. Uh, the w- stuff on Corazon, I guess, was kind of cool. Like, it was kind of interesting, like the car chase and all that. Mostly because I like Corazon. I just think it's a really fascinating planet. Um, but once they, like, separate and, like, Anakin has to watch over Padme, that's kind of boring. And then Jedi fight. I guess the stuff with Cam Duca. I guess that that could be. It only interests me in concept alone, because mm-hmm. execution wise and like the composition and the special effects just hammer it down like so freaking much. My when question I tell, is always. Oh, I'm sorry. When I tell people I liked Episode One a little more, they call me crazy and they say, I, "What about Count Dooku versus Yoda or Anakin sucks. killing the Tuscan Raiders?" I figured, yeah, those uh, are. You know, good yes, scenes, bad. but you're not you you're not thinking about the whole picture. You're yeah, only they don't, looking at one corner of the picture. They don't. Yeah, they don't even really make any sense though either. Because the skin Raider scene kind of does make the, sense. The it's combos, one the, of the the shots in the Yoda and freaking Dooku fight are just or you know that fight whatever is just not that good. Like I liked that scene when I was like when when did that come out? Two thousand three. Two. I would have, 2002, I would have been three or four at the time. Yeah, I liked it when I was like four, but not, not, not really anymore. <laughs> Cause like, it, people are always like, uh, oh, it's against Yoda's character to be flinging around like this, like jumping all over him with a lightsaber and all that. And I'm like, I get that. I get that. And I'm like, George just wanted a fight scene that back to the episode one. Uh, behind the scenes footage, quote: "There's a lot of they fight." Don't you like the green laser sword? Don't you like it when the little green man decides to fight the old guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about his green laser sword? He has. A, he finally. We finally gave him a laser sword. You know how he didn't have any in the past five movies? Yeah. Four movies. <laughs> now he does. <laughs> Another better element of Attack of the Clones is Dooku. Oh yes, yeah. It's like yeah, it's like the nostalgia critic said when he was doing the prequels. It's just like all the the British actors were all the best actors in the prequels. Yeah, <laughs> that must be the reason why Leia was imitating in that British accent when she was captured on the Death Star. I love it how, for that whole how, movie. Can't figure I out recognized your fast and was brought on board. I think it's a little goofy, but I think that's more present in uh, Sith. And, oh, then so. later, and then later she's like, well, someone's got to save our skins. And you're like, what happened to your accent? <laughs> yeah, people, you need to understand that the Star Wars movies are not untouchable. No, there, there is something, there is at least a few things wrong with Every movie that has ever been made in the franchise ever. We're just in golden because look at spaceballs. None of them are golden because they're not meant to be. Mm-hmm. Spaceballs. Oh yeah, they make fun of yeah. The spaceballs makes fun of Star Wars in general, or just like sci-fi in general. I like that movie so much. I have a DVD copy of Spaceballs on my cabinet right over there. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> <laughs> the search for more money, but. <laughs> Is there any good parts? I mean, besides the fact that Count Dooku is played by a well-known British actor. Oh, rest in peace. 
Yes. Yeah. Is there anything, anything redeeming about this movie at all? No. Do you want to buy some death sticks? You don't want to sell me death sticks. I like that exchange. That's a nice little, yeah, that's a nice little callback, but I don't know. I don't know why people praise that line so much. It's, ca- just, it's, it's kind of funny, like, honestly. Okay, in compar- but legitimately or in comparison to everything else? I mean, kind of both. I, I enjoyed it, and then I was like, oh, yeah, this was an episode two. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, yeah, I mean, like, I like it, but just as a callback, I don't like it because, like, I think it's, like, the fun. I don't, sorry. I don't like it because it's the funniest thing ever, though. That's just, I don't know. A lot of people seem to give that line, like, a lot of credit. Yeah, the, it's a, it's kind of overhyped nowadays, but I still yeah. like it. Yeah, people feel, complain think... about Canto Bite looking too much like a modern casino, but with aliens <sighs> in it. To which I say, this what? looks like the ESPN bar near Disneyland with all the sports <laughs> sports channels in the background. It does. We're and at Universal City Walk filming Star Wars. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess in Orlando. Seriousness, you can say this about every Star Wars movie, but I think John Williams' score is one of his best for Attack of the Clones. He knocks it out of the park every time. And he's still doing it. I still listen to um, Across the Stars, the love theme of Anakin and Padme. Yeah, that's really good. That's a good the Disney, the a Disney good parks play that song all the time when they were doing like Year of Star Wars. Yeah, it's John Williams. It's always going to be good. He can't do the anthology movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, come I mean, They have to I mean, get well, someone else. I'm okay with uh, that because it, it like he gives Star Wars the kind of this kind of like magical feeling to me that like Disney is trying to very physically separate the anthology films from the episodic films which everyone complained that Rogue One doesn't start with the and doesn't have a crawl but I like that because it's not it's not part of the thing it's adjacent yeah. And besides, yeah, besides, it's supposed to be a, yeah, it's supposed to be like essentially the beginning part of freaking episode four. It wouldn't make any sense. It's kind of a prequel to episode four in a, yeah. but not in the bad way, like we're talking about today. No. <laughs> uh, so you guys ready for some trivia? I am more than yeah. ready. All right, here we go. My body's Cur- ready. Courtesy of imdb.com, the greatest website of all time. Here we go. I love my tagline. I actually steal this joke from uh, one of the guys. He's on that guy with the glasses. His name is Tony Goldmark, some jerk with a camera. He's amazing. He came up with this joke. It's like, IMDB, what you do instead of things. <laughs> yes. That's what I, I usually do a lot of like research like on trivia stuff. Like, in, like all the best picture winners of Oscars. I just love hearing like some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that was going on. With all of these best picture winners, and like, okay, now it makes sense why these people won, yeah. um, or it makes sense why this movie wasn't good. You're like, so oh. it makes sense. So for Attack of the Clones, here we go. So Hayden Christensen claimed to have greatly enjoyed filming the bar scene because it was all a real set and not just a blue screen. Huh? How about that? Oh. <sighs> uh. Imagine that actor, actors like acting in an environment. Yeah, what was it like in the in the Hobbit? I forget. I can't believe I forgot this, but like freaking uh, the dude who plays Gandalf. Who's oh, um, I hate forgetting Ian McClellan. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe I forgot his name. But like, yeah, when he like broke out in tears on scene on the 
Go yeah. on the screen or whatever. It's like, what do you freaking expect? The dude's alone. I mean, granted, I'm when I saw that, I'm like, oh shoot, this is all green screen. I mean, that kind of impressed me. But yeah, at the same time, it's like, but, but like, look at, but like, dude, come on, is it really that hard to get all of your actors together in one place and to make a freaking living room? You got Ian McKellen <laughs> to cry because you put him on a green screen. That's really sad. Yeah. Well, yeah, because for this movie, they were surrounded by green screens. Like, even for yeah. all the lightsaber battles. Like, when you actually have something that's, like, a actual thing. I mean, I it, actors just like to be, like, in a good surrounding. Like, having too many green screen and doing all this technical stuff, like, just drains you. Mm-hmm. So, Acting to nothing is incredibly hard. Yeah. That's just why it's always, that was what, well, for episode three, when we talk about that, there's a lot of things that they had to do to get ready for that final lightsaber fight, which I'll go over next week. But mm. when Anakin is slaughtering the Tusken Raiders, Qui-Gon's voice can be heard in the background. This is no accident. According to Star Wars canon, Qui-Gon's force ghosts try to stop Anakin's rage, but failed. <laughs> huh. Remember how when Yoda and the entire Jedi Council told you not to do this, Qui-Gon? Remember that? I remember. No. Well, he's gone now, so I guess he didn't care that much. Yeah, his contract expired. <laughs> his, rep his reputation until, is on the line. Until he his cameos in uh, Clone Wars. The CGI show. Ah. Hmm. There's even a book the right one? now where Gendy Tartakovsky won, but that does remind me, uh, in the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars, when Anakin is striking down Ventress, you briefly see Qui-Gon looking down on him as if, what are you doing, my son, or something like that. Huh. I, I, uh, I, I love that scene, and can I just like gush for a very quick second about the Tartakovsky Clone Wars? Oh, Mace Windu just mowing down all of the droids. <laughs> That's just awesome. So, according to Star Wars canon, the Tusken Raiders who kidnapped Shmi Skywalker were paid to do so by Count Dooku. He had done this on orders from the Emperor, but this was never actually shown on screen in the in the theatrical release. Well, that would have oh. given him more of a role. <laughs> That's dumb. It would Simple. it would have felt more connected if they mentioned that, but they didn't. George Lucas had to explain it in an interview. That makes sense. Take out an important scene of the movie. All right. So, according to George Lucas, Obi Wan's hiding in Geonosis's asteroid field teaches young Boba Fett a lesson that he uses to his advantage during adulthood. Having learned how Obi-Wan hid from him and his father, Boba Fett knows the trick Han Solo is using to hide in the Empire Strikes Back and is able to find him. Oh, uh -huh. so you're telling me there's some actually, like, you know, de actual development? Huh. What? Huh. Yeah. So, just before Anakin goes to search for his mother on Tatooine, he has a conversation with Senator Amidala. The camera pans to their shadows as they talk and Anakin resembles that of Darth Vader. According to the DVD commentary, the Vader-like shadows that Anakin casts was not a special effect, but a coincidence. Bullcrap. 
That's not a coincidence. Like what? They had to set that up. I don't know. If we pan, like they, if they purposefully pan to the shadow, like that makes me think that you have to think about that. You have to frame that shot. Trying to think if there's another foreshadowing shot. No, that explains it. I honestly really like that piece of art that they used for like the six film Blu-ray release with like um Jake Lloyd walking in front of it and in the shadow that he casts on the on the building behind him is Darth Vader. Yeah. I, I like that. that. Yeah. Yeah, because they had you, the you were going Because they have the Darth Vader breathing sounds playing near the very end after the credits rolled in episode one. Huh. Because so George George knows he's like, y'all are here for Vader, but I'm not going to give him to you yet. Not yet, anyway. Nah. Uh-uh, you got to wait for it. A whiny kid and an emotional teenager. I'm going to show you spinning. So the Senate votes to give the Supreme Chancellor sweeping emergency powers to go to war against the Separatist forces. This is the same ploy Adolf Hitler used to gain similar dictatorial power in mid-1930s Germany. Oh, yeah. Not too surprising since uh, the Empire was supposed to be a reference to Nazis. Mm-hmm. I, nowadays, D- Disney's kind of hitting that nail a little bit too on the nose. Wait, wait, wait. Well, are, they you, did... are you telling me that George Lucas was actually being subtle? <laughs> dun, dun. Comparatively, yes, because like without the context of that scene in Episode Seven where Hux is in front of like all of the stormtroopers and they have those giant First Order flags and everything's red and black, and you're like, "Huh, I wonder what this is supposed to represent." Mm Hmm. Yeah, Episode Seven clearly showed that, and I'm like, "Okay." I mean, I liked. I mean, I like that imagery, but at the it's same a time, shot. I love yeah. that. Scene. And those are all real people, right? Those aren't CGI no, no. troopers. No, those were all extras. Oh, we're getting to that though. Yeah. Episode two. Ooh. <laughs> so, when Jango Fett gets into his ship after his fight with Obi Wan, he bangs his head on the partially open door. This was intentional. That this is intentional and is a reference to a famous goop from A New Hope. Dunk. I love yeah. that. It's, Easter eggs? Foghead. Well, it's not really an Easter egg. It's a reference to episode four. Mm-hmm. So during rehearsals and filming of Count Dooku's lightsaber battle scenes, a small model of Yoda was used as a reference point for Christopher Lee. The model, however, was slightly altered to have vampire fangs, to which Lee's... <laughs> to which... Of course. To which Lee's amused response was, I will not comment on that. I didn't think you would do this to me, George. <laughs> he called him out directly. Oh, that's funny. The fangs were likely a joke at Lee's expense for his performance as Count Dracula in the 1958 movie Horror of Dracula. Yeah, the Which is show. just Dracula in the UK. It's just called Dracula now. But it's uh, so, due to much of the animosity aimed towards Jar Jar Binks in Episode 1, the working title of Episode 2 was Jar Jar's Big Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> I would have actually watched that. Yeah, me too. 
You may hate on Jar Jar, but you know what? I still would have been more entertained with that. Jar Jar's Bizarre Adventure? God damn it. Uh, What was that? Never mind. It's an anime. Don't worry about it. Finally, somebody has a joke of this and Legends of the Internet (laughs) channel. We have to bring up Jar Jar at least me. We have to bring up JoJo at least once per episode. I think, I actually think there is a PC game that's named Jar Jar's Big Adventure. Well, if there is, I wouldn't know about it. It's it's a a recap of episode one, though, from Jar Jar's perspective. It's like a... No, Lego Star Wars prequels are Jar Jar's Big Adventure since you can play as him. Oh, good. Jar Jar's excellent adventure. Ooh. Oh, nice! Jar Jar nice. traveling back in time. Excellent! Oh yeah. There we go. That's the movie. Um, okay, guys, if you guys want to see in a, a very embarrassing part of my childhood, like I said, I, I grew up, I was born slightly before episode one came out. Um, so I grew up on the prequels and all of its associated merchandise. I just found a children's book that I had as a kid. If you want to Google it and find it, it's called Star Wars Episode One: Jar Jar's Mistake. <laughs> the entire story is just Jar Jar spilling soup on a dude, and he gets mad at him. <laughs> Jeez. Or is that, a re- or is that an abbreviation of his mistake? Maybe. <laughs> Where he gives emergency powers. <laughs> that was his real mistake. Mm-hmm. So, like what Ian McGregor did in episode one, Hayden Christensen made lightsaber noises the first time he was handed one in rehearsal. After chuckling at uh, Hayden, George Lucas informed him that they probably had people in sound effects who could do a better job in post-production. What a roast. <laughs> what a roast. <laughs> Like, and Yikes. I can't blame Hayden for that. Like, if I was, if I was on the set of a Star Wars movie and someone handed me a lightsaber, I'd probably do the same thing. <laughs> Even McGregor did that in an interview with some UK, uh, talk show host. I forgot his name, but he said, yeah, it's, it's almost, it's virtually impossible for a Star Wars fan not to imitate the lightsaber noise when it ignites and clashes. <laughs> so. Uh, Attack of the Clones is the only Star Wars film that was not the top-grossing film of the year in North America. It placed third after Spider-Man and the Two Towers. Yeah. Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And the only... Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2002 is a little dated. It's very post-9-11, we gotta stick together, America. Yeah. But and it's I just, all right. It just looks uh, another film that looks pretty ugly today. I like mm. this. I like Spider-Man. I like, like Spider-Man like Spider-Man too. Toby Meyer, Toby Maguire is my only Spider-Man. <laughs> I like Tom Holland. I thought he was okay, but I don't like that movie. Tom Holland's gonna do it, man. He's coming up. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm ready. The Iron Spider. The Iron Spider. I'm ready for that new suit in Infinity War. Oh, well, we'll we'll see it in like a few months. Mm-hmm. I heard they do yeah. a What about so, yeah. Yeah. Never mind, go on. So running at 142 minutes, this was the longest of the Star Wars film until The Last Jedi beat it by 10 minutes. 
What's that? Last Jedi was too long. <laughs> well, Last Jedi ran at 152 minutes. Yeah, that, they, that's why I still say the biggest issue with Episode 2 is its pacing. It could have been cut shorter, mm-hmm. and people might have that's been kind of the same a little more lenient. For, for Episode 8, what they what they decided to cut and what they decided to keep, I'm not, I'm not that big of a fan of, but hey, it works. But hmm. I was genuinely invested with everyone's story even exactly. uh finn and rose yeah even even the casino subplot you still have to kind of care about it because it ties back into hey we have to get out of here now Guys, shocking secret i like rose i like okay. Rose too she's I, the avatar for fans and it was done i think it was done naturally I, I have problems with her character but i love her actor her actor is Hilarious. So, with an estimated budget of $120 million, this was the most expensive Star Wars film until Episode 7 beat it by $80 million. Dang. (laughs) Gee, I wonder if that has anything to do with the over-reliance on CGI. Or inflation. In the year 2002. (laughs) 2015. <laughs> yeah. So here's the Easter egg for the DVD. After you type in 11, 3, and 8, episode 1 had R2-D2 falling down. This one has Hayden Christensen falling down. <laughs> <laughs> From when? Just or in what general. Scenes? Just in general. Just like in almost every take he's ever done. It's just a compilation of him falling over. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I would expect that in episode three with all the elevator scenes and jumping it's from symbolic. platform to oh, platform. No, no, not even close. Not even close. I'll tell you that next week. Uh, so this movie and Rogue One are the only Star Wars movies where the camera shot tilts up after the opening scroll to start the scene. In all other Star Wars movies, the camera shot tilts down after the scroll. I never even noticed that. Gee. I'm so used to it tilting down. Yeah, well, well, maybe, well, maybe with Han Solo, maybe it will be different. Well, we'll have to pay attention to that. We shall see. It'll go. It'll go to the to the right, <laughs> or the left. To the left. Um, <laughs> Ron Howard's breaking barriers here. So the character Ayla Sakura, played by Amy Allen, was not created by George Lucas. Ayla Sakura first appeared in the 19th issue of Dark Horse Comics' Star Wars Republic series. Lucas was so impressed with the character that he decided to have her in the, in the film. Nice. Hmm. Star Wars needs to do that more often. I mean, they're kind of nice. doing it now with mm-hmm. all, uh, with Thrawn, the Melu runs fruit from the old novels. Extended universe. None of it's canon anymore. It makes me sad. <laughs> so the fight between Yoda and Dooku was envisioned quite differently. Originally, Yoda was to come in and immediately have the fight with Dooku, but many of the creative team felt that was too quick a transition for Yoda, and the audience needed to feel the power of good and evil going against each other. So George Lucas added in the preamble to the fight with the blue lightning and rock falls, because it showed how powerful Yoda was. The lightsaber battle was a culmination of all that energy. 
There was also footage shot of Dooku using either Obi-Wan's or Anakin's lightsaber in addition to his own against Yoda, but these moves did not make the final cut. Hmm. Huh. I don't know what to think about that if he were to use other lightsabers besides his own. I mean, it would kind of make sense since he has a one-handed fencing style. I mean, I, I get that, but I have a feeling that George held off on it because he wanted to wait for the next one for Grievous to come in. I don't know. There's no, men- there's no mention of that, but maybe when I read the episode three trivia, maybe they'll maybe they'll shed some light on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when Watto is seen on Tatooine, flies are buzzing around him. The crew had recorded sound effects of flies buzzing around horse shit at Skywalker Ranch. And they were happy to finally be able to use the sound they had recorded. Good. (laughs) Achievement. So the Jedi archives are modeled on the Trinity College Library in Dublin, Ireland. Huh. I I like that. I I like um, what what places into whatever they did. Uh So this is the first Star Wars film in which Yoda is entirely computer generated. After testing, yeah, after you know, test- I replaced him with CGI in the special edition of Episode One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after tests to see if a CGI Yoda was possible failed during pre-production of Episode One, Rob Coleman and his team came back three years later and presented a reel to George Lucas, showing him a CGI Yoda performing the scene in Episode Five, where he explains the nature of the Force to Luke Skywalker. Lucas was impressed and decided the technology was right for a CGI Yoda. Huh. Now it d- I want to see that does now. Does footage exist? Um, it, just, to, just to show it to George, but I don't think it was ever kept for, pro- um, for anything other than that. Man, I, I, I mean, there's, you can't watch it, uh, the redone episode 5 with CGI Yoda, because not that I'm going to say it's better, it's just really interesting to see. Yeah, I just want to see it for comparison's sake of just like, okay, how did their test real CG Yoda look compared to the one that they actually put in the movie? I don't know. Could be interesting. So, several subtle visual clues were incorporated into the design of the shots to help audiences keep track of who's who. The good guys, the Republic clones troopers, always move from screen right to screen left while the Separatist battle droids moved from screen left to screen right. The sun is behind the clones, resulting in a gloomier sky behind the Separatists. Finally, the missile contrails were color-coded to denote allegiance. The Republic rockets leave clean white trails, while the villains launch missiles that leave noxious black purpish exhaust. And then the old ships run along the ground and spray red salt everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This still seems kind of confusing to me. I mean, color theory is interesting. I kind of like it. Um, I never noticed yeah. that. It's probably just because I haven't watched it since I've been cognizant as a human being. The best use of uh, color. What were you just said? Uh, sorry, I just got the term. What's the term again? I said color theory, but I could. I'm not an artist. Color theory, I think, in a movie is Unbreakable, mm. where all the you know, heroes, quote-unquote, where orange and, like, bright colors and, like, all the villains are in purple. The only yeah, that two, is interesting. 
The only two examples I can think of where color theory is used is the opening song of Beauty and the Beast where Belle is walking through town and she's the only one wearing blue while everyone yeah. else wears like darker shades and reds. And Gaston is red, signifying mm-hmm. danger. And that same kind of blue versus red is used in episode seven where Kylo Ren is on the bridge with Han Solo mm-hmm. where you, you, the, the, the sun fading away, you can still see it shining on his face, but when the sun is... Uh, all used up, uh, Kylo Ren's face goes completely red. Yeah, both of their faces go completely red after the decision has been made. So, when Obi-Wan and Anakin enter the sports bar on Kruiskant to search for the assassin Zam Wessel, several actors and crew members from the Star Wars movies can be spotted, including Ahmed Best, who does the voice of Jar Jar, Anthony Daniels, who does C-3PO, and in the crowd, you can see R2-D2 handler John Bies and his drawing, droid team consisting of Zainab Shiluk, Justin Deeks, and Trevor Ty. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. That's kind of cool. Were they dressed up in, like, alien-y clothes or something? Um, recognizable. So you I, assume that, like, I, 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 assume, I assume they'd be in, like clothing to be like oh yeah they're on coruscant but they're not like makeup to the point where you can't tell oh hey that's anthony daniels so in in dvd commentaries the crew claims that the fight between jango fett and obi-wan was intentionally made different from the other fights in the films and that it focused more on physical and hand-to-hand combat something not done in the movies often yeah that makes sense i mean we wouldn't get it up we wouldn't get really good hand-to-hand combat until 8 again. Yeah. So during the speeder chase on Kuruskant, when Zam heads straight down the cityscape, you can see an X-Wing being chased by three TIE fighters in the bottom left of the shot. Huh. What? Mm-hmm. What's That's... the point of that? It's like <laughs> episode 4, guys. <laughs> when the TIE fighters don't even exist yet. I think it was just a little Easter egg. Hey man, I mean I the mean... whole Enterprise being in uh being in the background—that's funny. That's all right. Maybe. I'm okay with the idea of Star Trek and Star Wars crossing over. Net. Net. Yes, from Episode One. Hasn't yep. been like a. I wonder if Et has a Wikipedia page then. Probably. <laughs> I'm gonna look it yeah, up right now. She's called. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they never. Just... They usually do that during crossovers, like whether they're a main point in the series or whatever like that. Usually, a crossover character will have its own uh, page. Yeah, it's probably brief. Sure, like... It's probably brief as hell, but like I don't know. I found it. They are called. Um, I am going to butcher the pronunciation of this. Asogian. Asogian. It's That's spelled... ET species. Yes, yes, Asogians were a sentient species in the galaxy. At least three Asogians were affiliated were affiliated affiliated with the Galactic Senate of the Republic at the time of Naboo's invasion. Um, it only shows up; they only show up in Episode One. And the only trivia, like behind the scenes about it, it says they first appeared in Episode One as an homage to ET, the extraterrestrial, and that's it. <laughs> so, oh my God. It, it, is, does it say canon or legends? Um, it says canon. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. I know some people will get mad about that, but I don't care. That's really there, that's both really funny and really cool. There episode, is episode is, two was the true ET two. Yes, <laughs> there there is much more uh, content on the Wikipedia tab uh, uh, for their legends. Oh my like, god! You've got the history. You've got behind the scenes stuff. You've got biology and appearance. We've got, we've got a lot of stuff about the ET race. My God, is Steven Spielberg cool with this? I, I guess. Mean, probably... I mean, it's one of his greatest movies he's ever done, or at least his favorite, at least according to him. Um, so he really, he really was really proud of that being in Star Wars. So, although Count Dooku is the main villain, as mentioned in the opening crawl, he does not make his first appearance until seventy-six minutes into the film. Genius. Damn, that's just... And then, he dies you, Venom? With, and then he dies within minutes of the third movie. Yeah, yeah. Kill him. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. yeah so, that's what, that, I think that's one of the main issues I have in some other reviewers to point out for the prequels. It doesn't have an overarching villain. It needed one or two. You could, you could argue Palpatine, but he doesn't do much in the way of, I'm the villain. Yeah, and even then, yeah, and even then, like, Darth Vader was pretty much that in the original, but that's the thing, is that, like, he was brand new at the time, whereas Palpatine, he was already established in the the old ones, and he's still established in the uh, prequel stuff, so it's not so much because he was new, it's just because we already knew about him. Yeah, like... yeah, and, and and they and they had hyped up Darth Maul to be the new Darth Vader. They're like, oh, it's this new guy. He's also Darth. He's got he's like red in the face. He's got a double sided lightsaber, and he's dead. Yeah, as I, I can appreciate the fact that he's trying to like use a different like you know framing device or whatever like method of storytelling versus the originals. But I don't know. I think yeah, I could have used a bit more of a villainous representation. But you have to remember it rhymes. It's like poetry. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, you want, so you want to know who else was trying to audition for the role of Anakin? Uh-oh. Who? Uh. Okay, so here we go. Here's the list. So we have, besides besides um, Hayden Christensen, here are the other actors that were going to audition for Anakin. You had Ryan Philippe, Paul Walker, Colin oh. Hanks, Christian oh. Bale, Heath, <laughs> Heath Ledger, Oh, James Van Der Beek, Joshua Jackson, Eric Christian Olsen, Eric Von Denton, Chris Klein, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Jonathan Brandis. Wow, and some pretty big people there. Wow, Wow. that is a lot of talent. I don't know who to pick. And we went with I Hate Sand. In the end, Hayden Christensen got the part primarily because he and Natalie Portman look good together. Oh, that's nice. Nice, dude. (sighs) Typecast. Good choice. (sighs) mm, I'm conflicted because, yes, you want people people to believe the romance, but on the other hand, you want people to believe the romance. So get someone who can act You need chemistry. Batman. (laughs) You get Batman. Or the Joker. Or (laughs) Jack. Or Jack. It's like Mark Hamill voiced the Joker, became the Joker. Or oh Fast and Furious. 
I've never seen Fast and Furious, so I'm sorry. I don't have a nostalgic connection. I know who you're talking. I know know who Paul Walker is. He died. And I only know James Vanderbeek as the voice of Patsu from Miyazaki's Castle in the Sky. (laughs) (laughs) Weeb. That's joking. I can't be a weeb. I'm I'm Japanese. I'm Japanese. Destroyed. I'm I'm Japanese. So, (laughs) Japanese. So the final shot of Padme and Anakin looking out on the lake in Naboo with R2-D2 and C-3PO to their right is a reproduction of the final shot of The Empire Strikes Back, where Luke and Leia are looking out into space from the ship with R2-D2 and C-3PO to their right. Ew. That's a nice touch, though. See, I, I can appreciate that, but the tones are completely different. Empire ends on, like, this dark note of, like, well... Wasn't that fun? But like episode two ends with, "Oh man, isn't it great being married?" <laughs> but that's what's so good about it. It's not a ripoff. It's mm-hmm. recontextualized. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The so, same things that dis- the sequel trilogy is doing right now. It's doing references, but they're not the exact same thing. It's different. It evokes different emotions and recontextualizes the situation. Mm -hmm. So Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, Frank Oz, and Ian McDermott are the only actors to reprise their roles from the original trilogy. (sighs) I mean, yeah. I I guess that makes sense, because Luke hasn't been born yet, etc., etc. None of the people that were in the originals have either been born yet or are not there. In the originals, so was was that a red letter media joke, like from a Plinket review for like episode three? That was like, if Lucas had his way, he would probably have like a, a like a toddler Han Solo by Padme's side when she's giving birth to Luke and Leia, and like they just shoehorn him into every scene. I that, vaguely remember this joke. I don't remember who did it though. Wouldn't make much sense, but knowing Lucas, I don't know. Yeah. So at this af- point, we'll never know. <laughs> so after making this film, Ewan McGregor appeared in the movie Black Hawk Down, which required him to be clean shaved and to have an extremely close buzz cut. New scenes with Obi Wan Kenobi were then added to this film in post production. Since McGregor had not had enough time to regrow his hair or a full beard, Ooh, so, oh no. they had, so they put CGI over his face. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no. Imagine how oh. awkward that would look. That it's just day. the hair from the girl from Brave on Ewan McGregor's face. <laughs> so he had to be fitted with a hairpiece and a prosthetic beard, which is often easily distinguished from his natural hair as it appears in the rest of the film. These scenes include the conversation between Obi-Wan and Anakin in the elevator, the exchange concerning the changeling in the Outlander Club, the Jedi Temple talk between Obi-Wan, Mace, and Yoda, and his interrogation by Count Dooku. Dang. Oh my gosh, you're right. That's why his hair looks so weird in the in the elevator scene. Holy crap. <laughs> Darn now I gotta I was watch the movie be, again. I was, so, I was hoping it was CGI over his face. I was really gunning for it, but I don't think George was that stupid. Yeah. Stupid Paramount. So George so George Lucas is thought to have chosen the name Django as a reference to the title or character of the nineteen sixty 
1966 movie Django. Oh. Like Django, Django is also a loner mercenary with a harsh past. Django Unchained. That didn't come out yet. That's in the future. Ten years. <laughs> so, Go on. This, this film marks the first time Yoda uses a lightsaber. Previously, the puppet had problems grasping his own lightsaber and making it look realistic. Because it's a puppet. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> That's why we gave him a staff. So, Hugh Corshi was originally slated to reprise his role as Captain Panaka in The Phantom Menace. However, he turned down the offer after Lucasfilm refused to let him read the whole script. So his character was written out and replaced with the newly created chief of security, Captain Typho. That's so cold. Like, why wouldn't they let him read the whole script? There's nothing to spoil in the end. Why would you want to hide it? Yeah, episode two has nothing happen. Like, Padme is, like, she has an assassination attempt put on her, and then they get married. I mean, is like, it, like, is this, did they not know what a non-disclosure agreement was? Yeah, that's just, there's a legal waiver, just have him sign that, and then... So you he, can't tell anybody what happens in the end. If he does, Problem solved. If he does snitch, you can get some money out of him. I guess he wanted to read the whole thing before he signed on, but it's like... You know, actors like to read the, like, whole screenplays before coming on board a film. Yeah. Or at least respectable ones. It's understandable. So instead of creating a new C-3PO suit for the film, the designers repainted an aged one used in the original trilogy. Hmm. That's cool. I I don't know how to feel about that. That's pretty cool. I like that. So the death sticks that the pusher tries to sell Obi-Wan were a hallucinogenic drug. Uh, the drug's name is an obvious reference to cigarettes. According to George Lucas, much like with cigarettes, with each dose, the user's life was shortened. The successive dosages took away larger chunks from their lifespan, and the desire for a more intense reaction increased. Lucas inserted this personally into the film due to his strict views concerning smoking. <laughs> It's like it's like a Chris Chan was smoking. Oh God! <laughs> well, he already did it with alcohol, so yeah. Uh, Dex is, yeah, but to be fair, alcohol's not as bad as smoking. No, it's uh, still bad, but it's not as bad. So Dex's backstory was that he was a former mercenary and explorer. He and Obi Wan had served together on a couple of missions. Mm-hmm. Again. I'd be nice to know instead of just introducing him for two minutes and then we never see him again. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, George Lucas's daughter, Katie Lucas, appears as a purple Twi'lek in the nightclub scene. Her older sister, her older yeah. sister, Amanda Lucas, can also be spotted in the background when Obi-Wan and Anakin discuss the changeling. Jet Lucas, their younger sibling, appears as a young Jedi in the Jedi Archive scene with Obi-Wan and the librarian Jocasta Nu. Nepotism. <laughs> well, they don't get any lines. Yeah. yeah. So it's, no, I mean, it's harmless. Yeah. At least they're in the movie. Actually, I mean... look, actually, Joe, was it... I forget. Okay, I brought this up during the episode one discussion. Was NSYNC actually supposed to have a cameo in this movie? I have, oh, not, yeah. I have not seen that yet. Because I swore I heard there was a video. I don't know remember if it was a Watch Mojo 
um, list or a what culture list. But so I remember hearing or reading somewhere that NSYNC was supposed to be in it because his daughters liked it. Yeah, I I, I remember this from something. Like I said, yeah. that it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 effect with Vanilla Ice. Yeah, I go vanilla Jedi, ice. go Jedi, go. Go Jedi, go Jedi, go. Yeah. <laughs> so according to Rick McCallum, a scene was shot with Obi-Wan and Padme swinging from one area to another. Much like Luke and Leia in Star Wars Episode Four, but the scene was cut. Nah, nah, doesn't doesn't matter if it's in or not. So the entire aggressive negotiations conversation during the dinner scene between Anakin and Padme was ad-libbed by Hayden and Natalie Portman at George Lucas's request, due to his not being happy with the romantic dialogue he wrote for that scene. Hmm. Uh. That scene is what when he realized uh I don't I don't know what to say about that. Wow, okay. So I love how we're all pausing and it's the <laughs> gears in our head are turning. Yeah. This is what episode two does to you. This is what death sticks do to you kids, don't do. <laughs> This is Death Sticks. <laughs> this, this is, is your Death Sticks. <laughs> it's not sexy. It's not funny. It's not cool. I want Pee Wee Herman to educate me about Death Sticks now. <laughs> now I'm actually debating on drawing Pee Wee Herman in Star Wars clothing with a Death Stick in hand. Jeez. I'm sorry. Okay, so I actually found some basis of truth on that whole in sync thing it's a huffington post article from uh it was updated a few weeks ago it's it's called in sync appears to have secretly ended up in a star wars movie um they talk about some of the stuff it says after all those years still curious about the secret plans of the lucas empire the huffington post reached out to two ex-jedi warriors for help Joey Fatone and his brother Steven, who confirmed their involvement alongside NSYNC members J.C. Chazes and uh, Chris Kirkpatrick. Pursued by Lucas and film producer Rick McCallum's daughter's wishes for NSYNC to be involved with her father's new movie, according to the Fatone brothers, the band members were offered roles while on a short break from their Pop Odyssey tour. Lance Bass and Justin Timberlake were too tired and weary, but the rest of the band rushed to ILM to film their parts as Jedi Knights. Uh, Lucasfilm eventually announced NSYNC would not be an Attack of the Clones, but given new evidence, it appears the band may actually have survived this epic journey and are part of the Star Wars canon after all. Um, I see. I thought they were like, is, yeah, I thought it was, yeah, I always thought it was like they were going to have like a musical, like freaking, like freaking, a cantina singer. Like holiday, something. like holiday special freaking type of shit. Here we go. Like, it's a, um, the other it scene included, been... you, sorry. Uh, it says, the other scene included Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi and a hovering Yoda. The two were filmed walking down a corridor as NSYNC was supposed to just be standing there casually talking amongst themselves. A couple of Jedis hanging out, as Joey said. Hmm. Oh, God. I, I really want this now. I, I don't. <laughs> let's, get just, 
Let's get Justin Bieber in episode nine, guys. We can do the it. real question. The real question. Would this make episode two better? Because then it's just hysterically bad instead of just boring. I guess not yeah. really, because they don't get any. They wouldn't have any lines. I but want just one the of fact them that to wink at the camera. <laughs> it's just absurd. Yeah. I mean, it. It's not like they'd have a big Chip Skylark musical number. Oh, dude, my shiny teeth, man. Let's go. <laughs> oh, if that would have happened, I think that there would have been more backlash for this movie. Because, like, oh, now we have something to complain about instead of Jar Jar. We have NSYNC ruining Star Good. Wars. Good. It, it'd Take, take over the redone Return of the Jedi musical number. Oh, don't get me started. Do not. Special, special edition. Mm. I demand it. We'll get mm. to them eventually. Yeah. But uh, that's going to be it for us today, guys. We have, have reached our, our... Oh, yeah. Well, one more piece of trivia that you didn't mention. What's and that? This, um, apparently, Asajj Ventress, she was supposed to be introduced in this movie. But because of time constraints or something like that, they brought her into the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars series. Ah. No. That's probably why I didn't mention it. I found a little bit of behind-the-scenes trivia. It's not necessarily associated with the movie as a whole, but it's the only uh, accolade that Wikipedia says that this movie has won. I will give you no cheating. I'll let you guys guess what award this movie won. Uh, Makeup. A Razzie? (laughs) Not a Razzie. Um, It is... It was from the Visual Effects Society. They won Best Matte Painting in a Motion Picture. Wow. But they were nominated painting. for a yeah, whole bunch of others, that. but that's the only one that they won. Matte Painting? There's a matte painting? <laughs> well, that, in visual effects styles, that's what they're talking you about. You know, it probably... You mean like it was better. the painting, but then it was enhanced with CGI? Yeah. I was going to say... extra colors. I was going to say it probably looked better than any of the CGI that was in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, let him have it. Yeah, I mean it's harmless. Like whether it's good or bad work, that's a lot of hard work goes into a Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, the, 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 I mean, what was it? Attack of the Clones was nominated for best visual effects at the Oscars, and that was the only thing they were nominated for. But uh, where Episode One had three, and then. Um, episode three only had one nomination, and that was for best makeup, and that was it. Um, so that's gonna, that's, I mean, that's generally all for today, guys. I mean, we've covered as much as we can for the, this episode, but now we're gonna get into better territory with episode three next week, and then we'll get into the better movies with four, five, and six as time goes on, and then, and then we'll get into the epic movies of all time, seven getting- and eight finally get into the movies where we actually have like some meat to talk about yeah a a fresh perspective since i think all of us are either we either like them or are indifferent to them we're not the hashtags star wars is ruined or whatever that is yeah rather rather than argue about you know which one is worse we'll argue about which one is better yeah yeah so that's going to be it for us today, guys. If you have not checked out episode one episode that we have done last week, definitely check that out. Episode three will be next week. And until we come back. Actually, I have a question. Which, wow. ep- which, what order should we watch these episodes in, Joe? 
Uh, we'll watch our episode four discussion first, and then our episode five discussion. Well, we're doing it chronological order for this listing, so you have to watch one before you go to two. So that's what scrub. Scrub. This guy doesn't even know about the machete order. Have you guys heard about this wacky adventure? Oh God! (laughs) All right, guys. We'll see you guys later, everybody. Bye. Oh, I have one quick announcement.